your hearts and heads with me now. This is a holy time. God is watching us. Angels are watching us. Demons are watching us. And our lives and the fate of our eternal existence hangs in the balance. So Father in heaven, please help us by your grace to choose to pay attention, to choose to engage in your Holy Spirit in these 20 minutes or so that we're going to think and talk about you. Amen. So this encounter is about a journey that I've taken because just last month, August 1st, I was standing in the bush in Africa in a very rural place, like nowhere, middle of nowhere. And I found myself preaching the gospel to a group of people. So this is Uganda, if you're not familiar with it. And I was up near the town of Gulu. Can you find Gulu in the north? The northern part of Uganda, can you find it on the map? Now, north of that, if you take a motorcycle, which they call a boda boda, about an hour north of Gulu, you're going to come to a little village called Powell. It's to the east of the Nile, and it's just south of Sudan. And God is doing amazing work in Powell. It's worth the 30 hours to fly over there and see what God is doing. Four years ago, Powell was a little village, and there was a field there where they grew rice and corn, and there was no church there. There was no Christian witness there. If people had sick children, they would bring them to the witch doctor. If people had troubles or a troubled spirit, they'd go to the witch doctor. There were a few Christians here or there, but it was pretty much an unreached place. That was four years ago. I'm going to show you a video clip of Powell as it is today. You can see in a few seconds. So that area that you saw with those metal buildings, those are 20 homes that 45 orphans live in. And there's also a school that's there with 120 K through second grade students. And there's a church there of about 100 people. And that's all been done in three years or four years. It's all been done in four years. They started under a mango tree and four years later they have all that infrastructure and all that ministry going on. That is amazing work in a third world country for four years. So God is doing it. I think there's no way to explain all that happening except God interceding there. Now I went about 30 minutes north of there to this village. This is a group of homes, several families, and it's called Uyamanike. That's the name of this village. And they had heard about the work in Powell. 
and they wanted to know more about what was going on in there. So I went up there with a pastor and a couple of staff from that school and orphanage, and I was asked to share my testimony, and I was asked to explain the gospel. So in the dirt, right in front of these men, I was preaching, and this is the guy in the foreground is one of the main leaders of the community, and the elder of the community is next to him in that green kind of colored jacket. And the men are sitting under the mango tree. There's women that are out of the screen and children listening. And I scratched out with a bamboo stick the gospel, and I preached my heart out. And I felt very comfortable doing that. It just felt strangely natural to be explaining the gospel. And what I scratched out was a pretty familiar picture. Uh, it's just a picture of a cross and a space in between and people on one side. Let's hit the next slide and show them that picture. You've seen this picture before, I hope, in Sunday school. People on one side, God on the other, and a great space in between. Now, I'm not usually, comf I'm not usually comfortable doing this. But I think being in a new culture helped, you know, because I'm not going to see these people tomorrow. And so there's a lot going on that maybe, maybe made me feel comfortable. But I think there was something fundamentally going on inside of me as well. I think I was changing. And I want to talk to you about that change. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to know that changes in a mission trip don't always last. But sometimes they do. And I think there was a change in me. And I want you to ask me throughout the year, have you changed? Are you different than when you went to Africa last summer? Are you preaching the gospel more to people? Are you actually inviting them to know Christ more? I want you to ask me. I want accountability. So my class or anybody, feel free to ask me about that. So when I preached the gospel and when I called for a decision, two people came forward. And in this slide I took right after done preaching, this guy's name is William. And William prayed to receive Christ. He knelt down, I prayed for him, and another man, he's not in the picture. Behind him, uh, this younger boy in the red shirt, he's a believer, he was there and he said he was a born again person and, and he was real excited about the gospel coming and, and other people accepting it. The man in the back with the white shirt, he had a lot of questions. I think he's close to coming to know the Lord. So I helped this man, William, to turn from sin and to receive eternal life. That was like really exciting for me. That was a thrilling feeling. And I thought as I was coming home to Minnesota, I had 30 hours to think about this. I'm doing the gospel. I am carrying out the Great Commission. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a Christian since I was a junior in high school. All the juniors, if you're a junior, stand up. Let's see all the juniors. Stand up for me. All right. We got all the juniors up here. Let's give them a round of applause. And we got right in front of me my D group. I love you guys. They're following Jesus with me. Best D group in the school. Thank you for supporting me, guys, right in the front row. Now, I've been a Christian a long time, but I haven't led many people to the Lord. I've done a lot of friendship evangelism, which, to be honest, has been more friendship and not a lot of evangelism. 
I've befriended a lot of people, I've loved a lot of people, maybe people have incidentally come to the Lord through my witness, I hope so, but I'm feeling a lot of conviction now that it's time for me to start being more evangelical, to really talk to people about receiving Christ, to argue with them, you know, in a good way, to persuade them, to plead with them to receive Jesus. So how did that change happen to me? So when I reflected on this, I saw a change in myself. I am looking more like a mature disciple than I am a good Christian. So how did I get from being a good Christian, which I was for 41 years, since I was a junior in high school, to become now a mature disciple, which I feel I'm, I'm actually, it's actually happening. I'm actually doing the things that I think mature disciples should be doing. How did, I, how did that happen? Well, I thought about it and I thought there are seven steps, seven steps. And I'm gonna go through these backwards with number seven being where I'm at now or where I was a month ago. Number seven is I'm preaching the gospel. I'm inviting people to know Christ. I've, I've made that turn in my life. And I hope this is something that I keep doing. This happened over three years from 2016 to 2019. So I'm going to descri briefly describe these in backwards order. So we're going to go back to step six, what happened just before this. A week before I'm out preaching the gospel in the jungle, I was asked to teach at the church in Powell. And I was okay at that time with teaching people about Jesus. I don't know if I was really ready to like call for decisions for Christ, but I was okay teaching about Jesus. So they asked for men, let's go back to the last slide where the men are there. Uh, th there was men from the village that came. There was about 50 of them. Because the topic was, how do you help your family to be happier? And in Powell, like a lot of places in the world, the families are not happy. Families are stressed and unhappy. And in Powell and in Uganda, it's easy to see why. Because basically the women do all the work they farm, they take care of the kids, they do all the cooking, they do all the laundry, and the men just go and drink all day. That's not a recipe for a happy family. Guys, that's not a recipe for a happy family. So it wasn't hard to convince these guys to come and hear about how to have a happy family. And I didn't feel like it was rocket science. I could tell them a few things that might help. It also helps if you buy them lunch, which I did. So they came, about 50 of them, and we had a great discussion about families and about how to change. And I, you know, I kind of talked about the gospel, but I wasn't really ready to call for decisions. But I was gaining more confidence. Then I gave them all a benchmark, and the 50% of them <laughs> passed. So I was really excited about that. So step six is teaching about Jesus. But that really wasn't happening right away either. Here's, here's one of the things we did. This was really, as you can imagine, the way I like to teach. We had a lot of small groups. We had a lot of like talking about things. And here was you know, things they said, they, how, things they wanted to change. And it was a really meaningful discussion. I, I, I felt in my element helping them process how to change and how to be happy. But I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready for that even until 
the previous year. The previous year, this was 2018, that's when I was there this year. 2017, I was also in Uganda. And I was this time just serving. I was serving the orphans. So in the next slide, you can see some of the children. The children are like crazy cute over there. I'm sorry they're cuter than all of us white people. And their kids, their kids are cute. So I brought my ukulele. There we go. They are just darling. Go back to the other slide. So I brought my ukulele. We, uh, we sang songs, all the Sunday school songs that you know, I'm sure. We, I brought over party supplies. We had birthday parties. So I just hung out with them. I helped them to learn to write. They love to come over. I brought pencils and paper. I organized wheelbarrow races. For the staff, I found that some of my corporate training, I could do team building. So we did some team building things for the staff, like trying to build these towers, who can get the balloon the highest. We talked about unity. I felt like I could do that too. I could encourage people. I also dug foundations for those homes. All those 20 homes that you saw, none of them existed last year. So we dug the first foundations for those homes. These are my roommates over there. I had a great time with my roommates. Great guys, I felt like I was in college again. There were no mirrors in my house, so I couldn't remember how old I was. I thought I was in college again. And we had a great time and we dug these foundations and these children are making a circle. Now these are kids who two months ago, three months ago, were living in an orphanage, not even an orphanage, a refugee camp right on the South Sudanese border. And these are the kids that were being abused. These were the ones that were not being taken care of. They brought those kids down here. And now they got their own home. They have their own home. That's probably one of the nicer homes in the area. And this was the first home that we built. We had them make a ring around it and we took a picture. So I was very comfortable serving that summer. So that's the next step. Step five for me was simple acts of service. Now this is something you guys could do. The DR trip is this. You could do this in your neighborhood as well. You can make decisions to start doing simple acts of service. And that can lead you down a path like it led me. In order for me to get to Uganda, I needed to know somebody over there. I needed to have a place to go. So the next step was meeting somebody who's doing God's work. And this is a, a guy that walked into my classroom one day. This was in 2017. Some of you might have been here. He's, he was the spring of 2017. He walked into my class and he was being toured or guided by Mrs. Pettit's parents, Jim and Julie McLeese. They had met him. I think the McLeeses are here. Are they here? Did they come, Annabeth? Can they raise their hand? Are they in back? McLeese, Jim and Julie, are you here? Where are you? I don't see him. Okay, maybe they didn't make it. So they had met him in Uganda and they thought the work he was doing was meaningful and they helped him come over here to gain support for it. And they toured the school because Mrs. Pettit was here. And he happened to walk into my room. I don't know if they even knew, I mean, my door might have been closed, but it wasn't, it was open. 
He was a chemistry teacher, just like me. And so we talked. He told me a little bit about his work. And I said, wow, that's cool. I'd like to help with that. So I said, why don't we go to dinner? I'd like to talk more. So he went to dinner. We went to dinner. And we talked. And the dinner turned into kind of an all-night talking and prayer meeting. So he came back to my house. We talked more. Got late. He just decided to stay over. And by the next morning, oh, I think I have a, I have a what's, what's next? Is the video next? Okay, run the video. You're going to get his invitation. Hello. Uh, my name is James Kutchheimer. Uh, I'm a Ugandan from northern Uganda, district of Gulu. I'm here in Wakodia this morning with my friend Dan. Um, I just came to visit him because of um, God's work. The Lord has brought us together. All right, that's true. That's what happened to me. I went over there and I got changed. So he invited me. I felt like this is a genuine guy. This is a genuine ministry. I want to be a part of this. God is working in him. I could sense that. I had one problem, though. Uh, so this is step four. Make a friend with somebody who's doing God's work. Uh, I had a problem. This is step three. So the next slide shows I didn't have enough money to get to Uganda. I needed uh, 3000 bucks to get over there. I didn't have that. So that morning, James and I walked around my house in my garage, and I looked for things I could sell. And I thought, I have an extra car. Anybody remember my white Explorer? I could sell that. So I sold that car, and I, could, I hadn't used my kayak in a few years, so I put the kayak up for sale. And what I did is I sold some of my stuff, and I was get, becoming free of the distractions of my stuff. It was a process that had started earlier, but uh, I definitely was changing here. I saw something happening in the world that God was doing, and I was feeling ready to give up some of my stuff to go be a part of it. It took a while to sell these things. It took all summer, so I didn't get over there in 2017. Unfortunately, by the time I sold the kayak and the car, I still didn't have enough money. 
So there's another step. I had to go ask for money. Now, that might be not too hard to do when you're in high school or even college. Ask for some money, but when you're 56 years old and you're going around and asking people for 50 bucks so you can go to Uganda, that seemed like embarrassing to me. Like, do I can I really do that? Do I want to do that? But God had been working on me for about a year before to get me ready to be able to do this. And the story is tied to tithing. So this step, step two, is tithing and connecting and asking for money were kind of uh, related. Tithing, giving 10% of your income to the church and missions. So I had started what, is what I called a tithing experiment. I took the 10%, I just automatically withdrew it from my account, and I'm going to do it for a year, and I'm going to see what happened. I was surprised, like people had told me. I didn't have a problem paying my bills. Other sources of income started coming in. And that was cool to see God doing that. I really felt like God was providing money rather than I was out working on my career and generating my own money. Here's an example. Shortly after I started tithing, I meet a guy at church who needs a place to stay. His name's Matt. And I have a basement. So Matt rents my basement. That replaced not all, but a lot of the income that I had been tithing. Plus, I got to meet this guy. I got to be in fellowship with him. Other people have come to rent in my house. I had somebody renting upstairs. And I'm really more enriched as a Christian because I'm renting to these people. So that's an example of what can happen. God finds other ways to take care of you. Also, it's crazy how free stuff just shows up in my life. Things that I need, just all of a sudden, it's there. This is off track for you guys in the slides, but one time I'm coming home and my renters had broke the garbage disposal. They had dropped something down there and broke it. And also I was redoing my basement. I needed a garbage disposal down there. I'm driving into my road and my neighbors have sitting in the yard two boxes, like brand new boxes. It says free. And I go over there and it's two garbage disposals sitting in my neighbor's yard. Like, what are the chances that you're going to have need a garbage disposal, like, on Tuesday, and on Saturday, you come riding into your house, and there's two garbage disposals on the lawn for free. An extra one for my basement, by the way, that I'm going to rent. So I think those are, and this is the kind of stories I had heard before. And I was starting to experience them. That is, that's the exciting part of the life, when you see God doing those things. And it, one thing you can explain away, but when you're 58 years old and you've seen this over and over and over again, uh, it seems to be a pattern. Well, where did I hear about this whole idea of God providing when you tithe? So the next slide, I couldn't find a picture of my Bible study. So I just grabbed a random one off the internet. But I went to a Bible study that was a really odd experience. They were not people that I normally interact with. I, and I'll tell you in a minute how I got there. But I found myself in a Bible study with 
some pretty broken people, actually, and some people that kind of annoyed me at times, people I didn't always like hanging out with them. You might ask, well, why are you there then if you don't like hanging out with them? I could sense God was there at that study. I was, there was some power there that was, that was important for me to be there. And they talked a lot about the gifts of the Spirit. They talked a lot about listening to God. They're kind of charismatic-y people. And they talked a lot about tithing and God providing for them. And that year of being in the Bible study got me ready for the tithing experiment, which got me ready to ask for money from people and not feel bad about that. By the, reason, by the way, the reason you shouldn't feel bad about asking for money is because that's how God loves to work. Sending me over to Uganda, that's nice, but when I can get 30 other people to join with me, that's a big win for the body of Christ and for everybody, and God gets more glory. So I think that's why he wants us to do it. So I was in this Bible study for a year, learning about tithing, learning about God providing, and that got me ready. That's step one. Now, I wanted seven steps because that's a nice biblical number. And I still had one more step. So I call it step zero. Now, step zero happened with this guy. This is my pastor, one of the pastors at our church. Now, he used to be a semi-pro football player. And he's rather forceful. When he asks you to do things, he doesn't mind asking several times. And it's hard to say no to him. So he had asked me about going to this Bible study and I had been saying no. And then he decided he's gonna ask me to give another guy who had lost his driver's license um, a ride to this study. And I gave him the ride to that study and I decided I was just gonna work on school stuff, lesson prep, while he was in the study, I was gonna work in the lounge. But of course I didn't, I ended up going and that was the start of my journey. So helping a random person under compulsion, I think, is what got me going on this journey. So the next slide is my last one, and there it is. That's the steps by which God brought me to this place where now I feel like I'm carrying out the Great Commission. It starts with being forced to help somebody against my will and becoming involved with a whole set of people. And it took three years. So my question to you is, what might you do this year that might start you on a journey? What small act of service can you do? What Bible study could you be a part of that will start you on a journey to being a mature disciple? That's why I love our theme for this year, and I had it on top, how to go beyond because that's what I felt like happened to me the last three years. I went beyond what I thought. I'm on this growth curve now in my spiritual life that's steeper than I've been ever in my life. All right, let's pray, and then I will release you for class. Lord Jesus, we uh, cannot accomplish any of this ourselves. It is your grace and your Holy Spirit that makes changes in people, and I ask that you would please make changes in our hearts that we would leave here different people. This year, we would be different people than when we started, and we will encourage and help each other, help each other to do that. In your gracious and Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. 
You can find previous encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage, www.swchs.org. Click on Student Life and Encounter. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, keep your eyes fixed, not on speakers, teachers, or institutions, but on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith.